Welcome, Highfalutin Ski Bump Podcast, episode number 198. It is your pals, Mario and Brian. Mario, what's up? Not much. Excited to do the podcast today. Had a, had plans for an interesting opera today, but uh, we'll get into that later. <laughs> yes, very interesting. If you are following us on Instagram, instagram.com slash ski bump podcast, you may have seen Mario's post. His Delicious looking apparatus today. Delicious. Yes. Thank you guys so much, everyone, for listening. We really do appreciate it. And thank you, everyone, who's been writing to us, whether it's email or, or DMing us on Instagram and requesting stickers. We're happy to send them out to you. So you know how to do that. Ski Bum Podcast at gmail.com if you want to email or on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We are at Ski Bum Podcast. Hit us up there. We're happy to send out stickers. And thanks to everyone who's spreading the love for us. We really do appreciate it. It's, it's a lot people, of people out there People now. are spotting stickers in like some pretty dope places like Revelstoke, up at Killington. Doing the out, good work. Out in Colorado, uh, soon to be out in Tahoe. So, you know, the uh, the word is getting out, which has been really cool and really fun. So, so thanks for that. And apparently there is a boy band out in Big Sky this weekend, allegedly, who may be out partying, who may be fans of this podcast. So, right. Big Sky Boy Band, if you Sh- are listening, shout out to you. Shout out to you. Have a great time. Hope you guys have fun out there. If you do love us and you want to get some cool merch like this dope, up, oh, wrong side, uh, other side. This, this dope sweatshirt, hats, we got all the stuff, skibumpodcast.com slash shop that one is limited edition that one is not for sale we could probably get more of those printed but i don't think we can i think that one i think we broke the molds once those got printed out look at that that's even got the old logo in the back yeah yes make uh make skiing great again (laughs) make skiing great again (laughs) you obviously could tell what that era that came from it was a masa not a maga that's right that's masa a masa it's a masa shirt. It's a masa shirt. What else? Oh yeah, podcast, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, Stitcher. Just look for us, Ski Bum Podcast. What else? YouTube. We gotta get back on that. We haven't been slacking on our YouTubeness. We've been YouTube slackers. YouTube and yeah. SoundCloud slackers, which has been bad. Yeah, we need to get on that. Also, intern. If we need one of those, if you're interested, ski bump no podcast actually, at Look at the experience I, you get. Actually, at this point, you guys got to pay us now. Reverse intern. Reverse intern. You got to pay us. Intern. We're gonna. It's gonna be a meager five bucks a week. You have Which, to. That's What's pretty awesome is you will be part of this podcast during the pre greatness era. You'll get credits. You you get you put in it. You get to put your name on some credits. Maybe you get credits. We'll put you in a video. Really, it is the stepping stone to much greater things. So. There's a lot of stupid shit we want to get you to do too, so you get a lot of fans from it. It's not that stupid. It's stupid-ish. I get stupid is relative. Yeah, I mean, your mom will probably be embarrassed, but not disown you. So it's not too bad, dude. It's just gonna be stupid things like dress up in a you know a suit like an abominable snowman suit and with the little sign twirl it like somewhere in Vail or street corner and. You know, big sky or something like that. It'd be cool. We want you to walk around in your ski boots and like your underwear in like July. Be like, is it is it snowing yet? And just like <laughs> it's like asking people, is it snowing yet? 
or like uh the ski uh the ski podcast the guy dressed up as the uh for the bar oh dude yeah that was fantastic thank you so much for listening we really do appreciate it i think we need to kick it off the way we always do it's time for our prey today So I posted my Instagram post, uh, getting ready just before I partook and st- started my opera today. And, um, I don't know, after like one sip, I was like, Nope, can't do it. Um, <laughs> so if anybody saw the Instagram post, it's this four loco frost. Uh, it's from the bold series, which I didn't realize that this stuff had a series, uh, 14% alcohol. ABV. Uh, and it is a malt beverage. So I could say I'm drinking a malt beverage, malt liquor rules again. So this Not was something you really want to brag about. That's that's right. So this is a 23.5 ounce can, which is a big boy. That's that's taller than your average tall boy, has 14% alcohol. I'm thinking, all right, I'm gonna kick this bad boy off, uh, get this party started right. Now I opened it, but I didn't just drink it from the can. I'm like, I got to see what this shit looks like. <laughs> so I'm going to hold it up to the camera now. That's the color of it. I just, I, that's actually a little bit of it still left in as a laboratory sample. That is um, the same color as the hair, like the comb disinfectants at the barbershop for those is. listening. If it was, yes, the fresh one that comes, you know, before they skunk it up with putting stuff in there. But let's try to do a little. Smell test smells very berry, <laughs> very berry like berry and formaldehyde, and oh, that's ooh berry and formaldehyde. Those two, uh, those flavors together. Oh, and the taste—it stings the nostrils. It's mm-hmm. um, very sweet, kind of like I could see people that like um, Fireball maybe liking this. Uh, oh. But it's a little bit Vixie Formula Forty Four, and it's just a little looks it, a little listerine. It just tastes like chemicals, like it's just bad. So I had like two sips of it. I'm like, I I can't do this, man. It was ice cold. I think it's been in the fridge for like I don't know, like two three months. So drank a few sips, and I'm like, I can't do it. Nope. Poured the rest down. Saved a little bit for now, just to kind of go over it. But yeah, I don't think I'm ever buying that one again. The last one I had wasn't as bad and i think it was like a fruit punch one or something like that i wouldn't say it was great but i, I would say it's not as bad it was i drank it um so then i switched to good old favorite founders all day ipa there you go so this is also sitting in the fridge for a while and i was like this is a breaking case of emergency so it was an emergency today i had to wash down that that four loco with uh something else so you still have the taste in there Oh yeah, it's horrible. But the yeah, all day kind of starts killing it. So well that's good. With a good beer. So I love all day IPA. It tastes like a real full bodied IPA, but does not have the alcohol of a regular IPA. It's like a normal. What are these? These are like four and a half. Yeah, those are really tasty too. Very yeah. crushable. Drink it all day. That's these are crushable. Yeah, four point seven percent. Look at that. So very good. So I'm happy I switched to this. It's kind of an old favorite. I used to, there's like, I guess like for about a year, I was drinking these all the time and then I couldn't find them. So mm. now I found the big cans. They don't have the little cans anymore. So it's the kind of beer you drink before work. Exactly. Or for lunch. What are you having? It's just, just an all day IPA. 
You just hate your goddamn job. You just go in on the way in, right? You just shotgun it in the parking lot. <laughs> I know. Walk in. You sit in the break room, fucking pop this out and just put it right on the thing. Like, yeah, that's right. I do what I do. You can still do your job. It's all good. That's right. So you might have a ass move. Just like right before you walk in the door, just shotgun it and just drop the can on the floor. Boom. Let's get this. Let's get this shit started. Yeah. Let's do some work in this place. Yeah. I got some <laughs> TPS reports to fill out. That's right. Do that right at the beginning of me and just shotgun it. Just throw it down. Be like, all right, who's going to piss me off now? <laughs> <laughs> Who finished the agenda for this meeting? <laughs> all right. What do you got, Brian? You know, I said last week I was a little beard out. I have had maybe two beers over the last week and I'm still going through the not PTSD because it was that would it, PTSD it, it was beer. a bad time. Yes. <laughs> it, was, it was like uh, not traumatic. It was euphoric. So it was like PESD. Well, think about if you did post beer traumatic syndrome or syndrome, whatever it is, it'd be like Perhaps Blue Ribbon almost, right? PBST? Mm, perhaps it's an acronym. Acronym. Uh-huh. Yeah. It just, I was just beard out for a while and I just felt just fat and bloated. So last week, with a little bit of scotch, being classy. Nice. This week, really, I'm just, I'm just trying to get rid of old bottles of stuff. Like I have Four Locos. Did you go to the Four Locos? The Four Locos is being saved for a special occasion. That may be the 200th episode. The Four Loco may have to Oh, Four Locos and Incredible Hulks. I'm calling it now. <laughs> Incredible Hulks. We got to do Incredible Hulks. Well, what's also amazing well, is that, <laughs> you know what's so crazy? Is that Four Loco I actually bought 10 years ago. That's the Dude, elite. 2010. That's the, the recalled version. <laughs> it was the legit one. The one that the kids were dying from drinking. It's got real death in that can. Yeah. Mm-mm, bitch. <laughs> so right now, I'm really just trying to get rid of... I, again, I have all these bottles with, you know, maybe a thick three fingers worth in there. And I'm like, why... You've got to clear out the stock, man. Have this. This is idiotic. Well, that's why I looked at the fridge. I'm like, I'm not... I told, I told Melanie, I said, I'm not buying any more beer right now i said i'm gonna drink every little bit out i gotta i gotta clear the stock because i was driving to work today thinking when was the last time i had a damn guinness i used to like having guinness around now there's no room in the fridge i gotta make room it is almost guinness season too i know it's hitting march yeah guinness season so what i did is i found a bottle of tequila that had pretty much one to two fingers left and this Ah. is the excelsia reposado nice now I will tell you, this is it's a decent tequila. It's it's pretty, you know, reposados has got a little bit of age to it, got some good flavor. There's only a little bit left in here. Um, and I can tell you when this bottle was officially opened, it was officially opened in August of 2016. Brian, how do you remember these things? Well, I can tell you that I was on vacation, and oh. it was the last vacation before we found out that. Andrea was pregnant. So it was the last real vacation I was ever on. And at that time, you just think this is what life is. And then you look back and you realize how simple and carefree and stupid you could be. Never going to have that again, right? No, never going to have that again. And that vacation we spent at beautiful Wildwood, New Jersey, which is kind of 
when you think of Jersey Shore Beach Town, it's uh, that's not so bad. It's not so bad, but it's also not so good. It's more family though, right? More family oriented. It's not as during the day ish. The boardwalk at night, you just yeah, yeah, tape up your butts for that. (laughs) (laughs) It's not that kind of boardwalk, but you know, there's uh... (laughs) a. <laughs> Shit's going down. Let's just put it Shit that way. Is going down. You might get shanked. You might get you better bring your A game. You might even find an N-word or two. <laughs> head on a swivel because you might get shanked from any side, man. Perhaps. So that those that particular vacation was so much fun because like we were like the high maintenance people. Like we brought down like an immersion blender. I was making my, that's when the patented watermelon margaritas started was that ah. summer. So we were just blending up like pictures of margaritas, like watermelon margaritas. And it's going out to the beach and just sipping on them all day and passing out and waking up and sipping on them some more passing out and then going, uh, you were that guy, weren't you on the beach? <laughs> I was like just super chill and pass out under my umbrella. You got to go out in like your underwear and your robe and just fucking picture of margaritas. Like this is, it's going to happen. And you put it in like a coffee cup. So you try to be all stealth. Like, <laughs> Oh no, fuck it. You just walk out with a big blender thing. It was uh yeah. So that's what, so I would go, we'd go back to the room, shower, get ready to go to dinner. And I would sip on this tequila. So I'd be drinking mm. tequila in the margarita all day. And shower tequila. This, it was just, uh, it was a classy gentleman way of doing things. And, we actually had to go to the store a couple times to reload our tequila because we went through, I think, two handle. No, couldn't have been two handles. Yeah, it was two goddamn handles of tequila and like Damn. two of those big Costco margarita, like uh, the pre-mixed ones. Yeah, yeah. The big gigantic tub of margarita stuff. Yeah. Well, not the tub, like the 1.75. It's like the handle yeah. size, but it's like... Big, giant size, yeah. Yeah. We would just blend those up and just sip on them all day. Damn. Like uh, like goddamn tourists. Yeah. That's what happens. But now times have changed. Now I know the Costco size very well. I've been going back there, and that's where I go for my gin and my vodka. I think I have four bottles of that margarita sitting over there by the steps. In Damn, my you stockpiled. I usually got a six-pack of those in the spring to prepare for margarita season. Nice. Margarita season. Apparently we blew through all six towards the end of August. Had to go back. There's only one Costco by me that has alcohol and I'm only allowed to go there once every two years just because I cannot deal with it. It's in the most like congested, awful town. And I, I just, I, I just can't, deal with the people and the crowd and the nonsense so well you know what's nice about the costco down by me because of the florida blue laws they have to have the liquor store separate from the regular store so they have this giant costco where it's a shit show inside and you get outside and there's a little liquor store which is like a garage on the outside of it and there's nobody ever in there because it's like in and out real quick like they have everything out you just run in there boom and you're out. So, so I'll drive. Medicare like that too. Oh, I'll just drive by, jump out, grab my alcohol, and boom, I'm hitting the road. That's super right. handy. Now the yeah. one by me does not have that. It's you've got to go right into the belly of the beast. It's yep. like right in the center of the store. Oh, that's how it was in Jersey. It was like, well, you're in, in Jersey. Wayne. Yeah. You're the one in Wayne. It's like, damn. Yeah. You gotta wait on that big long ass line with 
everybody else buying shit. God damn it. Yeah. Now this is like you just every other goddamn supermarket has like the shop at home. You get the app, you can just go pick it up or they'll deliver it to you. Not Costco. Because how much money does Costco make on people just encountering things there? You know, they have so many free samples and so much weird stuff. You just walk around, you're like, oh, I'm just going to buy this random weird thing. Yeah. I saw an article today. They said that they're in March, they're going to start, they're going to start limiting who can buy, who can go to the food court. Cause you know how they have like the buck 50 deal with the (laughs) The hot dogs and stuff, the hot dogs. I didn't realize that like today you don't have to have a Costco membership. You could just go in, get the food without going through. Yeah. You go in by me. I realize how they do it. You go like where the customer service is, you go in there and you can get to the food court and they allowed people to do that. Now they're going to make it where you have to have a membership to be able to get back there. Good. So they're going to limit it down. So they said, Oh, it might freak people out. So who knows? That could be the whole, the whole thing that's keeping Costco running afloat right now. I don't know. Well, that's what's taking them down is those dollar hot dogs. (laughs) There's no way they're making money off of those. God damn buck. It's hot dog and a Coke. Hot dog and a Coke for a buck 50? Buck 50. Jesus. It's like a quarter, uh, half pound or quarter pound dog. It's crazy. Yeah. Oh, man. Same dog at a baseball at the Yankee Stadium is like nine bucks. Yeah. Nine, bu- hot dogs. nine bucks at a kick in the balls. What do you want? A fresh one? Dude, you know, that would be a great thing if I'm sure that's already for sale on Instagram, but having some sort of like, you know, they sell like the battery packs to charge your phone. You some sort of like hot dog warmer. So you can like bring oh. your own hot dogs to baseball. Hey, game. you want to a hot dog shooter. He's just and like shooting, obviously shooting dogs out. Well, it's let's say you want like two or three, right? So you want it to be about yay long, about yay girthy. You put it in your pants. They're like, whoa, that guy's packing. Whoa. And you're like, I'm packing. All right. And you're like, wink. I got my dogs. Dogs. Like three no. hot dog holder. No, it'd be like the guy shooting the shirts out of that cannon. You're shooting dogs out of people like a wiener cannon. Wiener cannon. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, you just like you're packing three hot dogs in your inner thigh going to the game. You gotta buy him a Costco for a buck fifty. That's you right. Get, that's the cost of half a dog. That's right. You, you're reselling the other two that you fit in there. Yeah. It's all about like for five bucks each. You made about 24 bucks. There you go. You got to sell your wiener cannon. Selling the wiener cannon. That's a good goddamn idea. It's almost like a hot dog panini because you got to make them nice and tight so the, the bun gets like squished down and like wrapped around hot it. Hot dog panini. A hot dog panini. Every Italian is like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I told lasagna for that, huh? You want to? Maron. Maron, look at this fucking guy making hot dog lasagna. With the freaking hot dog marinara. <laughs> I think that's a good idea. Look at Brian Gabaguti here making his own fucking recipe. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's a new butts. <laughs> I just uh, think if you want to save some money, I think hot Costco should sell a uh, like a triple barrel hot dog holder warmer to put in your in your pants when you go to a baseball game. All right. So we got no other stories in the uh, Opry today, right? No other stories in the Opry today. But we are going to take a quick little ride. Let's get into the Genjula. And speaking of taking a quick little ride, ex-Browns lineman Greg Robinson faces up to 20 years in prison for allegedly 
possessing 157 pounds of marijuana. You know why it's alleged? Because they don't know if it was 150 or 157 or 180. That's why. One. 157 pounds of weed. That's a shitload of weed. Yeah. He was allegedly found with in duffel bags in the cargo area of a vehicle at the U.S.-Mexico border. Damn. Um, in El Paso. Mm-mm. Yeah. Uh, him and the driver, they face conspiracy to possess with intent to distribute. That seems like it could be for personal consumption. I don't see why they'd be distributing that personal. Yeah. Yeah. It's not that much. They could each face up to 20 years in prison. I was watching, you know, that show locked up uh, abroad. Yeah. So I was watching it this weekend and, uh, they had this one where it was a hockey player who's trying to make it to the pros actually gets called up and is playing semi-pro, uh, or I guess in the pro whatever. And, uh, he's running drugs. He's running uh, marijuana. So he said the first time he's like, you know, saying like the guy gave him like 20 pounds to take. He's like, wow, it's a lot. No problem. Put it in his hockey bag, put it with all his hockey shit. Cause they got those giant bags. Oh, yeah. So he said it got to the point where he had a hundred pounds of marijuana in that fucking <laughs> hockey bag. And he's just driving Ooh. across the border. And they, he said he did it so many damn times. And then he started going out on his own and he had backpacks of a hundred and something pounds each. Mm-hmm. And he had like, he was trying to get like, I think he got like four or five guys to go with him. And that's how much it was like six, 700 pounds of marijuana. They bring it across the border, hiking through like this area. And of course they got caught. So it was just fucked up how he like flushed his life down the toilet. Damn. He met, it's, it's crazy too. A lot of those stories, you know, those guys, it's not their first time doing it. You know, it's <sighs> like if you just would have like cut your losses and how many people have been doing it, and they were the ones who said, you know what? I've done this eight times. Yeah. I'm done. Well, I think, uh, what was it? He beat the, he got out. I don't know what happened, but then he said he was like, he started smuggling and then it started getting bigger. And then he's like, and then he had a car and then he had a truck and then he got a, a, a found a guy with a, a plane and a boat. And he's like, he's smuggling tons and tons of marijuana. He said the, the reason he stopped was because it got to the point where this uh, drug cartel thought that uh, he stole some of their cocaine. And he's like, I'm not a cocaine dealer. I just deal in marijuana. And like, we're going to kill you and your family. They actually... Uh, he has this whole story where they take him into this, uh, into this warehouse and they give him a lie detector test and he passes. So like, all right, you get out of here. You must've been telling the truth, but he's like, yeah, I got to get out of this business. That seems pretty scientific. Yeah. <laughs> pretty messed up. The lie he's detector like, test that the, uh, the coke <laughs> dealer has. Yeah. Like you're a Coke dealer. Do you care? Uh, I don't know. So anyway, this guy, Greg Robinson, huh? Yeah. Well, the best is that the the criminal complaint from the uh, U.S. Attorney's Office, it says that uh, Robinson offered to pay a third person in the car to claim possession of the marijuana. Yeah. So there was him, the driver, and this third guy. And uh, the trio had driven from Los Angeles by the border checkpoint on their way to Louisiana. Hmm. You be the fall guy. I'll I'll let you I'll let you fall on some cash. Yeah, right? he was the former second overall pick. Damn, where yeah. to go, Cleveland? The Cleve. Yeah, well, he kind of kind of has been a big disappointment. 
Well, didn't Cleveland have like their entire, like almost their entire starting lineup was like either with parole officers or charges against them? Oh, really? It was bad. I think it was Cleveland and, and Cincinnati was bad too. Oh, man. They had one year where like everybody had a rap sheet. It was crazy. Yeah, it's bad news. It's just, you know what though, man? It's a plant. It's just, I don't know. We've gone on, we've said this, I don't even know how many times at this point on how many podcast episodes, but it is a plant. Like the fact that it's still illegal in 2020. This last week I was waiting for Trump to just fucking be like, Hey, marijuana is legal. He's been doing all sorts of other shit. Why not? Right. He's been pardoning a bunch of people. Why didn't he just pardon, pardon weed, weed plant, pardon the weed, (laughs) pardon the weed plant. You know, that'd be funny if he was like, I pardon anybody that got caught on marijuana charges. Boom. You're out. That would be, that would be right? crazy, right? People yeah. go, what? People would go bananas, that's for sure. That'd be funny. Yeah. 157 pounds, man. That's a lot. It's a lot. I wonder if like some sort of robotics company could like make like a ex machina type robot. So it has like a head and it moves around, but all of its innards, like how much of it of the robotics would you need and to make the rest of it all weed? So you could like store the weed in the robot and have just enough robotics where it's like, dude, oh, that's Hitchbot. Hitchbot. That's Hitchbot. Oh, uh, poor Hitchbot. No, think about it. You stuff weed in Hitchbot <laughs> and then nobody possesses him. He's just getting moved from place to place. Dude, that's a good idea, right? It's full of weed. You got to make it where he's like sealed up so nobody could break into him and then just like pack him full of weed and put him out there and then eventually he'll get somewhere. That's true. Like that's like, you should just like show your love for Hitchbot and like you take some weed but you put some more weed in there. There you go. But, but then, course, it, it, then it hits Philly. And someone will like just take the weed and then like, you know. Bunch of dicks. Beat him up. Smash him to pieces. Yeah. Poor Hitchbot. Poor Hitchbot. Fucking yeah. Philly. Poor God damn Philly. Poor Hitchbot. He, he, his only mistake was going to Philly. <laughs> he made it all the way across Canada. He was fine. He goes to Philly. Fucking Philly, He's man. taken out. Philly. It was that goofy-ass mascot they got for the freaking... Uh, what's his name? The Flyers? Grind... Um, that sh- creepy oh. fucking guy that they got for him. Gritty. That's right. Gritty. Yeah. Mr. Toilet. Whatever his name is. Yeah. Horrible. Terrible. All right, so that wraps up the old gondola. Let's go to ski news. And we're going to start off with a a sad case, and I'm sure a lot of people have heard about this already. Vale chairlift death occurred uh, last week, and this particular article actually compares it to another story or another case that happened in 2000. Um, but Jason Varnish, 46 years old of Short Hills, New Jersey, died February the 13th while riding chair 37 in Vale's Blue Sky Basin, according to Eagle County Coroner Kara Bettis. Bloomberg News reported Tuesday that Varnish was a managing director for Credit Suisse Group. Uh, he most recently served as the bank's global head of prime services risk, and he spent more than 20 years at the company having joined them in 1998. So they're saying that what happened was, is that the chairless folding seat was in the upright position instead of being folded down so that riders could sit on it. It left an open area through which 
one could fall through if they did not notice the seat was not in place. It's, it's but how did this guy die? He died from from um, they called it a hanging, like hanging. an accidental hanging. So how would the seat that's not there result in him hanging? Did he fall through or? So yeah, I guess there's the the support <clears throat> bars that are in the the chair structure. Yeah, and then he must have just sat down. I would guess like fell between those support bars. And then I, would his jacket have gotten caught on something? Because that's the thing. If he was like standing and fell through, that's one thing. But to sit and to fall through and to be strangled. Ah, uh, that's nasty. Like, do you, is it hang like this and then like choke But you? he couldn't pull himself up or anything? It was just kind of dangling? I guess it almost be like, like if you were like little and fell in a toilet, right? Like that same kind of like your whole body's like kind of like folded in. Yeah. But I guess his jacket must have gotten hooked on something. Hmm. Right? I don't know. If you're hanging, you usually try to get yourself up or you can, you know, it's not like the Wild West where they give you rope. Yeah. You're just dangling from your shirt, from your jacket, pretty much. Yeah. And hmm. I think it said that it was like around 1130 in the morning that it happened. So you'd think there would be people around and like a full chair because it was a, I think it was. I don't know if that was a, a big ski day, if it was a powder day or what, but you'd think there'd be more people around or people to help or people on the chair or what. I mean, it's, it hmm. just seems very, something seems a little fishy. I don't know. Damn. That's crazy. It's, it's horrible. The guy had, he had three kids, a wife, and it just, I mean, you never, you never want things like that to happen and to hear about it. It's just, I'm sure they're going to get, you know, family's going to get money for it. It doesn't replace a person, which is just sad. And, you know, you're out there having a good time skiing and you don't want to deal with this stuff. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's really, it's, it's just really unfortunate all, all the way around. Right. Yeah. It's a sad, sad, sad thing. So adults is that to the, the family. So moving on to a story after Valentine's Day. We know Valentine's Day over when a story comes over like this. So, wife of embezzler in Aspen Ski Company scheme blames husband at sentencing. So, we covered the story last year when um, it was, I think it's called Aspen Ski Co. Um, yeah, Ski Co, I think. Yeah, Aspen Ski Co. They were... Um, it, I guess the husband was in charge of the rental retail division for more than 15 years. And during that, he stole more than 13,000 pairs of skis from the company valued at about $6 million and sold them on eBay for about 3 million. So this was a long, this was a long range kind of thing that they were doing where they did it over a number of years. And the wife, I guess was sentenced, um, she was being sentenced because she was also part of it. So while she's being sentenced, she admitted that while not everything about their online business selling secondhand skis seemed kosher, Carrie Johnson on Tuesday laid the blame for the years long $6 million scheme squarely on her husband's shoulders. She said, quote, looking back, there were indications that were something off. She said during her sentencing, but I made the decision to trust my husband and that was my mistake. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know if they had a falling out or that was just a little 
happy Valentine's Day, uh, you know, jar at them. But uh, hey, how about? Well, I think I think the original article too that they they said that it's possible if she did this, or if they they kind of framed it that way, it would give her a lighter sentence so that she could take care of their kids because they do have a couple of kids, and that's sort of the way judges and juries look at these things. They're both guilty though, so why would you? Give them any leniency. I'm sorry, but you're you're horrible people. You should go yeah. to jail. Yeah, it's it's kind of kind of so rough. Do you want these people that have been stealing skis to raise kids? That's another thing. Well, then you have like the the dickhead lawyer, her lawyer, who was yeah. like saying that the job was presented to her as a no brainer by her husband. <laughs> she did it without passion. Oh, so she didn't have passion for it, but I'm sure she passionately spent that goddamn money they were making. And you want her to raise kids now. So yeah. she didn't have passions for her husband. She went along with this shit and embezzled a ton of money with apparently no no remorse. Her her only explanation is I followed my husband, right? Yeah. Way to go. Three years. Was it three years, they say? Well, it was a couple years and six oh million dollars worth i think it was 15 years was it that long yeah i don't know how long they got caught for doing but he ran the division for more than 15 years i think that's when he was working at the company but yeah i don't know if when he decided to get this bright idea of just jacking them and reselling them yeah they just say in the in the article that during the course of that employment he stole more than stole more than that many yeah, unless so she says, oh, I didn't know. I just trusted that he got these skis legally and he had a good deal. He said they fell off a truck. Yeah. You know, that truck kept popping skis off every week. We amazing. were just following orders. That's right. You know? That's how it all started. Blame someone else for your stupidity. That does suck, though. Yeah, that's, that's pretty... sucks. I wonder if they planned that, if he knew that she was going to do that, but... Either way, it's just kind of, yeah, kind of rough. There you go. All right, here's an interesting story. French ski resort draws criticism for using helicopters to deliver snow. Oh, helicopter, heli snow. Is it's that French- like heli skiing? It's sort of. It's like like it's BYOS. <laughs> it's reverse heli skiing. It's heli skiing, BYOS. <laughs> Gotta bring your own snow. Man, you're so rich. You're so rich and powerful. They bring the snow to you. Yeah. You don't have to get on the on the helicopter. A French ski resort has drawn criticism by using helicopters to deliver snow after exceptionally mild weather has all but dried up the slopes. The Luncheon Super Bagnere Resort in the Pyrenees used helicopters on Friday and Saturday to move about 50 tons of snow from higher mountains to the station. The snow was dumped on a few of the station's 28 slopes, focusing primarily on areas dedicated to beginners and children. Hmm. Herve Bonneau, director of the local department council, told the AFP news agency, only six of the station's slopes were open to skiers over the weekend. The operation cost between 5,000 and 6,000 euro he added, arguing that over the long term, we will get at least 10 times return on that investment, which would enable the resort to safeguard up to 80 jobs. Damn, look at that. The problem is the regional branch of the Europe Ecologie 
Le Viet political party has rallied against the move um, when the local party secretary described it as a short-term aberration which fights against global warming by contributing to it. Damn. Yeah. Um, the gentleman Ponell was recognized that it was not very ecological and it had been truly exceptional and we have no intention of doing it again. Hmm. Um, and the, the one thing that I was extremely surprised about, you know, that France is the second largest ski destination in the world after the U S I could see that after the U S yeah. Yeah. I guess I could see that. Yeah. Huh. That generates $9 billion annually and 120,000 jobs. Damn. Crazy. Um, now, Here's the thing that I I get a little annoyed about. When you talk about anything climate related, it you definitely pick your party line and you kind of toe that line, whatever side you're on. This gentleman who was complaining about them doing this, does he really have any sort of knowledge about helicopters and emissions and effect on the atmosphere? I mean, think how many helicopters or planes fly every day. I'm not mm. justifying anything. I'm just, does he really have any evidence, any scientific evidence, or is it really him kind of pandering to a specific political ideology? Well, I was just thinking, you know, so they say it's it's against the ecological whatever, you know, of taking the snow, right? So they go up, they take the snow and they go out. It's so at the end of the day, it's almost like the snow didn't fall there, right? It's not like they're Mm -hmm. digging earth out or anything like that. Isn't that less destructive than running pipes and putting snowblowers up there to have fake snow blown up the whole mountain? Yeah. Or if they would have taken multiple snow cats and just pushed down the mountain, like, I don't know if that's even possible. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, resorts in the U.S., I mean, we, they'll, you know, they'll have to have a contract with the EPA on a, on how much, how many tens of thousands of gallons they can pump from a lake. You know what I mean? And, and that's, that's a big ecological impact. So you wonder, is it less than just scooping some stuff off the, off a higher elevation and bringing it down? You know? And I mean, how many, I wish I would have said how many helicopter runs they had to do. I mean, yeah. I mean, if, if it's only five to six thousand euro, that's I mean, not bad. That doesn't seem like a lot, considering how much a helicopter ride, you know, usually would cost. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It doesn't. It doesn't seem like that much money, and they were getting that much snow out of it. I'm like it's fifty tons, though. I mean, how much can you do in one? Like, how much can one helicopter run carry? I mean, that might be all day of going back and forth, but still, if it's six to seven thousand euro, I mean, yeah. I don't know. It just doesn't seem like that much money. It doesn't. Yeah. Interesting. And they said they're not going to, it's not going to be a frequent thing. It was like a one time deal. Uh, it's easy to see both sides of the argument, but I, I mean, it's kind of good that they got the place kind of up and running, you know, kind of giving it a little jump start. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. 
Hmm. All right. So speaking about the ecology, WNDR Alpine takes a whole new approach to ski manufacturing. So Matt Sternbenz, the founder of Forefront Skis and WNDR Alpine, uh, broke new ground on the world of ski manufacturing uh, by taking an, an innovative, and sus- uh, innovative and sustainable approach to creating um, new skis. So they have a plant-based composite um, known as checker spot. And they put forth the idea of building skis constructed partially from algae. Um, contrary to the, to the, the classical materials such as wooden fiberglass and utilizing such sustainably focused product, they're saying we'll redefine the industry. So it's a pretty cool concept, right? And they say part of it. Really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So they're saying um, the goal was to shed light on the benefits, both environmentally and performance wise of utilizing biocomposites over traditional plastics uh, when constructing a ski's core. And they're saying manufacturing involves growing algae in fermentation tanks. So the end process is new types of oils that not only act as building blocks can be but can be utilized as chemists to harvest and turn into polyurethane composite. This is wild stuff, man. Isn't that cool? I got, what are they starting out with exactly though? That's what I don't get. I understand they have like the algae and they have it. It the, seems like they're using some eco-friendly, like a, like a plant-based composite too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plant-based composite. And then they're doing uh, partially constructed from algae. That's really crazy. Yeah. So they're saying these composites, but they're saying it actually makes a new kind of like resin or something like that, right? A different type of plastic. Biocomposite. Which is wild stuff, man. Which they would use instead of plastic in creating the core. Which is great because the more you hear about plastic and microplastics and the way it's in the water and everywhere, the more you go, ooh, this this is bad news. We got to figure out a, a better way to do this. But, you know, the other thing, too, is like plastics were such a a, a revelation for us, right? Like, so, mm-hmm. I mean, just in modern times, plastics really did revolutionize a lot of stuff, but it just seems like they revolutionized everything and people were like, well, why are we going to touch it? It's plastic, right? Now, if you can create something from a more biodegradable, bio, whatever, you know, bioavailable product, why wouldn't you do that? So it's nice to see that they're finally taking that step to say, well, what's the next thing other than plastics? You know, these plant-based algae composite things going on. I mean, I don't know. It seems pretty awesome. I think you got to go hemp-based too. You know, yeah. hemp has been used for centuries in shipbuilding and manufacturing. And the Model T was used, had hemp fenders. Yeah. I think, I, mean, I can't think, I mean, a Colorado-based ski company making hemp skis. Like, doesn't that just make all the sense in the world? Oh, yeah. Maybe someone's well, already doing it. We just don't know. Where they're saying the skis come out, they're making skis uh, as stiff as traditionally built skis, but weighing about 250 grams less than its contenders. Wow. Which is pretty big deal. That's significant, yeah. I mean, now you're talking about not just because it's good for the environment, but it's a better ski, like, mm-hmm. potentially. They said they're popular with the backcountry skiers because of the, the weight. 
you could ski on them for five years and then smoke the bejesus out of that thing. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> for the yeah, the the potski. Ooh, the potski. And you talk about too. There's a few other companies that are doing kind of similar sustainable ecological focused products. Uh, Mountain Flow, Echo Wax, and Primaloft are two of them. Primaloft, Primaloft. Primaloft. We say that uh, Mountain Flow Eco Wax is using plant-based materials that won't leave behind petroleum or fluorocarbon in the snow. And Primaloft designed the world's first biodegradable synthetic insulation. Hmm. It's pretty cool. I mean, it's it's just one of those things. It's one of those those waves of innovation that. You know, you get to a point where you just, you're sick of having waste. Well, I think it's also, for me, you ask the question, why does it have to be that same way? Right. So, you know, home insulation is itchy as fuck, right? If you've ever dealt with it, you've gone up in in an attic and it's hot as balls and you're putting it on. And if you don't have the, you know, if you're not all covered up, you're itchy as hell because you got little, you know, fiberglass, glass fibers in your skin. It's freaking, that's not normal. Right. So you think, why, why are we doing this shit the same way? Been doing it that way for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And now they're finally coming out with stuff that's made out of different materials that it's soft. And it's like, Hey, you know, it's more of a a textile, you know, than some spun cotton candy spun glass is really what old fiberglass insulation was. It's pretty crazy. It's, it's funny how we just, when we have done things for a particular amount of time, we just kind of keep doing it that same way. We're just so momentum based as humans. We're like, yeah, doing that way for my dad did it that way. My grandpa did it that way. And we're going to keep doing it that way. It's like, dude, you do realize there is a much better way to do these things. Well, I think part of the problem is it's hard to change that paradigm because the, the process and the companies who make the products can't change. They're financially they, incentivized not to change. Yeah. Right. I mean, well, you got to retool an entire factory. That's going to cost you a ton, a ton of money. Right. So somebody think about starting a new car company, right? That's in itself is, is a, is a mountain to move. And somebody, you know, like Elon Musk comes along with Tesla, starts a new car company, but because he's starting in a modern age, he says, Hey, I'm going to do this. And it's probably easier for him to do that than Ford or GM to retool all the factories to do to do it a different way. That's why they've been making cars without changing, you know? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Why, why take a loss? You could just yeah. keep making the shit the same way and you, you make money. So that's part of the reason why marijuana is illegal now. Because yeah. William Hearst, William Randolph Hearst, who ran Hearst publishing back in the thirties, he had was just a dick. spent money. He was a massive dick, dick. Yeah. He had just spent a ton of money creating a cotton printing press and that's when people were starting to get started to use hemp for paper as well. And they decided to put out some hit pieces on hemp and mar- cannabis, which they renamed marijuana, which really just means a, a Mexican, you know, Mexican plant. They vilified the two, made it out that, you know, it was making black and Mexicans act like white people and trying to have, you know, sex with white women. And it had this you know, when at that time you controlled the narrative, you controlled the public opinion. So people saw this, said, Oh my God, this is horrible. Why would we ever want to use this? And really it was all because William Hearst wanted to maximize profit from his cotton little plant. He had a little tiny penis with big ambitions. That's what it was. There you go. 
So that's, that's one of the things too, you learn as you get older and you develop wisdom is that, you know, that, that term follow the money so many times that that is true because you can really determine a person's beliefs and way of thinking when you understand whether they're getting paid or losing money based on a certain outcome. Have it time and time again. Hidden agenda. It's there in plain sight. Just follow me. Yep. So I think we have one more, one more story. So we're going to end the ski news on an up note. Tommy Mo, (laughs) Getting up to get down. (laughs) Tommy Tommy. Mo, Tommy Mo, Come across Tommy Mo on Instagram. Oh, say hi. Tommy Mo. That's right. He, he likes some good things there on, uh, on the Instagram. It's, it's funny to see that you like the same things when you're cruising the internet. It's amazing the kind of things we all have in common. <laughs> so out in Jackson Hall, not sure if you guys are aware of this, last week they had an event, the King and Queens of Corbett's again. The, I think it's the second anniversary or a second, um, second time that they've actually held this. And Parkin Costain and Veronica Paulson are the Kings and Queen of Corbett's. Woo! Nice. What was really cool is that I think I think TGR was hosting it. I don't know if they were the one that was streaming it or if it was actually Jackson Hole, but they had it live. Like you could watch the whole thing. Oh no, it was Red Bull. Red Bull Snow is the uh, one who uh, actually were the ones, you know, setting it all up. But they had a, a live streaming. I think it was like three hours or something. They had a really. It was pretty significant because I think there were. Dude, I freaking love Red Bull. Oh, shout out to Cameron Nas. He won Japan. He placed well in Japan. Big in Japan. Big in boy Japan. Cameron. So, King and Queens of Corbett's, if you're not familiar, Corbett's Couloir, one of the dopest, most terrifying ski runs in the world. And you watch these men and women attack it, and you go, I am a goddamn sissy. I <laughs> suck at skiing, and I should probably just stop and find something else to do because the way they were just balls out launching into this thing it was it was balls so out, balls deep. awesome i don't know did you watch any of it no i didn't i didn't get a chance to so i watched it a little bit this weekend and i definitely saw veronica and and parkins runs parkin freaking double back flipped into corbett's oh did she did she flip into corbett she was the first woman to pull off a back i flip saw that yeah. yes i did see that i saw the uh the clip Somebody put a clip on Instagram that I saw. It was badass. So she, I think she um, she tried it last year. So wait, this may be the third time they did it because I think they mentioned that she tried it twice. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, she couldn't pull it off the uh, the first couple times. And then, yeah, this time she just nailed it. And oh, uh, it was it was beautiful. She was so psyched. It was really cool seeing her uh, go down and, and celebrate. And it's cool because they had... You're into Corbett's, and then they had a couple other features that were on the way down as well that you could do tricks off of. But um, but parking with that double backflip, you're just like, yeah. like, like, what else can you say? You're just like, dude, that's that's insane and awesome and badass Crazy, and inspiring. Man. It was so cool. Like you, got, I think uh, we'll post the link in the show notes. TGR had a whole you know, a big recap on it and had a link to a couple of the runs. And I think they had, I'm not sure if they actually have the, um, 
they have the video there so you can watch the whole thing it was almost four hours it was three hours and 45 minutes the whole duration damn and i think both of those runs the gold the the king and queen runs were pretty early like within the first half an hour oh geez yeah but it was uh it was it was pretty sweet very very cool yeah and you look at the, like just the if you watch the video on the tgr site of the initial part looking up at corbett's i mean dude they had so much snow there in late january it's built up so high i mean it's probably 25 feet just to get into it wow like it's pretty gnarly and these guys and gals just <laughs> just launching like it's it. nothing right like, like a little nothing little tiny jump yeah pretty sweet it's crazy so congratulations to the king and queen of Corbett's Parkin Costain and Veronica Paulson. Sweet. All right. And that wraps up the old ski news. So this week for the main topic, hopefully you guys and gals listened to last week's episode. I got to tell you, Mario and I, we were crushing it last week. We had a we had a great podcast, and then <laughs> the main topic was <laughs> me and our buddy Rich from All About Apre. Shout out to Rich! Re- shout out to Rich! Recapping our the first leg of our trip to Western New York, our little adventure at Peak and Peak, and our wineries and and breweries we hit up, and I didn't realize it until I actually edited the footage of just how. Uh, how beat up I was. Like I was <laughs> how boozy was granted. I was about six beers in at that point. Wow. Yes. They, uh, these places just kept just giving us actually, no, it was way more than that because you guys added up like you were talking about it. And I think you were adding up like, wow, we had a few beers. No, I was like, and you're like, Rich, it was like six beers. We tried. <laughs> Dude, it was at least eight beers. Damn. It was like yeah. eight half beers. So there was four plus right. the two while we were skiing. So that's like six beers before leaving the resort. And then we went to a winery to, so to, to a winery and a winery slash distillery slash brewery. It's way to do it. It's how you sober up. That's when the podcast started. The, uh, the car yeah. chronicle. Part one. The car chronicle. Thank God for that coffee that we got. So (laughs) where we last left, Rich and I were uh, probably pulling into Ellicottville. And we were preparing to go skiing that next day at Holiday Valley. And Mario, Holiday Valley. That was actually where you started skiing, right? That's where I learned how to ski. Holiday Valley up in uh, upstate New York, Chautauqua County. In Chautauqua. Chautauqua. Yeah. And uh, it was while I was going to University of Buffalo. University at Buffalo, not... There's UB and... Well, I went to SUNY, SUNY Buffalo, State University of Buffalo. And then there's Buff State, which is... That's where all the pussies go. Just saying. Whoa. Ouch. Oh, oh, oh. So look, so here's the map of Holiday Valley. If you can see that. Now, do you remember any particular runs that you like? Does any of it like spark? Like, oh, I remember the so and so. I didn't really look at the map too much. There was it's pretty. It's a pretty easy to ma- navigate mountain. I just know on the right side there was always one or two runs that had a ton of moguls. Oh, that really? 
that we get stuck on. And I'm did, like, did Fuck. you remember the wall? Yes, the wall was one of them. <laughs> did you did it add moguls on it when you went? No, uh, there no right. moguls on the wall, dude. The the wall for those who aren't familiar, it's pretty much just like the head wall there. It's the only double black I think on the uh, on the mountain there. And dude, I was watching TV one time and I saw a mogul competition from Holiday Valley. I was like, "What? Oh, it's really? Crazy. Yeah." So we did the wall. We checked it out. Um, it looks like the wall was not available for night skiing. Oh, no, no. That's like, maybe this is because it actually shows it's kind of cool. They, cause that's like a big thing they do there, as you know. So they actually yeah. have like a night skiing trail map too. Yeah. Night skiing. If anybody hasn't done it, it's great because it's a little bit ter- terrifying and a little bit fun. It, it's, it's definitely something it's, it's unique. It's, and I think from the way you did it was the right way to night ski at first and then go and ski during the day because well, it's doing I, the opposite. I, you're like, I can't see anything. Yeah. I night skied for like the first, when I first learned, I learned night skiing and I night skied for like three years before I ever skied in the daytime. It was the weirdest thing. I was wow. like, oh, so this is what it looks like. And yeah. I haven't night skied since. I Actually, think no, I have. I think I did at Mountain Creek, I think one or two times. Okay. I did once at Wyndham, maybe like eight or nine years ago. Oh, wow. It was, fu- I got, it was fun though. You know, if you have yeah. good conditions, it is oh. pretty fun. Uh, so yeah, so it was kind of funny because yeah, you learned to ski there. I finally went and checked it out. And since you've been there, they've, they've definitely gone through a lot of changes. They changed oh, the whole sure. base area. There's brand new lodges within the last, like, I think, they said within the last 12 years, they wow. built two or three new base lodges. Um, Ellicottville too, I know changed. And I know we know somebody has a house there. It's supposed to be pretty baller. It's supposed to be a pretty nice, nice little town. I have to tell you, and you will hear Rich and I say it 10 times in the, the next part of the podcast. We were completely blown away by the, the people the environment and just how decent holiday Valley. Like, I mean, it was, it was fun. I mean, there was plenty of terrain to enjoy a great variety of stuff, trees, moguls, you know, things like the wall. Yeah. The runs are relatively short because they don't have that, that much vertical. I think it's still like wow. 700 feet of vertical, seven, seven fifty. Yeah. It's not much, but compared to going to Vermont, uh, New Hampshire, Maine, the lack of crowds you get at a place like this mm-hmm. was surprising. And if the, just a the different vibe of people because their big base, their customer base is mostly Western New York, Western PA, Eastern Ohio, and um, kind of Southern Ontario. So it's a very different attitude than... New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Massachusetts. Yeah. In terms of personality. A little further west, right? You're kind of getting a Midwestern kind of friendlier attitude right. versus like the the New England, New York City kind of attitude. Get rid of those big city douchebags is what you do. Well, you're getting smaller <laughs> cities. You're getting the Rust Belt folk who are, right. who are a little humbler, a little kinder, a little different. Yeah. But we had we had a really good time, and 
we really think you're going to enjoy this ad. So here is me and Rich from All About Apre discussing Ellicottville and Holiday Valley. So hope you enjoy it. So we're back in the car. It is myself, Brian, and Rich from All About Apre. Yep, the car chronicles continue, my friend. The car chronicles, yes. And it has been quite an adventure we've had. I mean, it's really had a little bit of everything. We've had some interesting weather, some amazing food, great drinks, and fun skiing and awesome people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, on all accounts, the the, the town of Ellicottville is, is a hidden gem. I almost feel like I don't want to tell anybody about it, <laughs> but I guess it's too late for that. It is a, it is a true ski town, something you really... You really don't see it a lot out here in the East. To be honest with you, I, I've been trying to rack my brain for like the last two days where you have an actual ski town that's only a mile or less from two actual ski mountains. So, yeah, and I've been doing the same thing. And, you know, you think the first thought is like a Burlington. But, but that's not. But yeah. Burlington's like not right next to the mountain right and Burlington has the university which is obviously a big influx of you know creativity and you know interesting people and you know youth energy but there's no university there at Ellicottville which kind of surprised me I thought there'd be like something kind of fueling the town but it's just these these two really fun ski resorts and two very they're, they're the same like on the same mountain but they're very different in terms of their their vibe and their um kind of what they're focusing on absolutely yeah we stayed at the tamarack lodge the first night at holiday valley well both nights but that's where we stayed so the tamarack lodge is right on right on the mountain so we had a nice little mountain view in the morning just had a you know walk out throw our skis on which was great uh, but we got in the main bar downstairs john harvard's was uh that was popping when we got in at around 9 30 that night and uh we got ourselves a mountain of nachos, which was which was quite delightful. And that was actually what it was called on the menu, right? I, I don't know, but that's what it was sold to us as by the by uh, our lovely and charming waitress Amy. Uh, shout out to Amy at, at John Harvard's. But yeah, so we had this while we we're eating this this mountain of nachos, and we watched uh, four younger women next to us bang back shots and then order about four mixed drinks to go. Um, needless to say, we didn't really see them on the mountain the next day. Yeah, they're probably still recovering two days later. Yeah. They were they were hitting it pretty hard. And that is definitely one of the underlying veins of Ellicottville. And I mean, I know all ski towns kind of have a, a bit of the, the party atmosphere, but there was a heavy drinking vein of the whole town and of the valley. And it was just people from all over the place, you know, in all different age groups, like really just going hard in the paint. Getting after it. <laughs> it's like the... Uh... So after that, after we had our mountain of nachos and we went to the depot, which is across the street from the mountain, essentially, it's one of, if I had to guess, it's probably like the Apre ski spot, like the first one you'll hit when you go off of, uh, when, you, when you get off the mountain. We were actually told today that they they have rail jams. They've had rail jams actually in the bar, which that would have been a sight. But it's one of those bars where there's just shit hanging everywhere, right? There's stuff uh, on the ceiling, on the wall just all over the place so much so that they have a, a scavenger hunt for kids where you have to find the stuff and, and, and check it off on the, on the scavenger hunt but but uh we met we met our uh can only be really described as our new best friends there 
our hetero uh, soulmates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the three three snowmobilers. Uh, one was dubbed Big Sexy, <laughs> and and he was. <laughs> he was big. He was big. Um, but yeah, they were uh, they were an interesting crew, for sure. Um, they gave us the light, the lay of the land, and told us all about the snowmobiling. And, they rip home at about 100 miles an hour after the bar. <laughs> after after being at the bar for several hours, being pretty banged up, and it being completely pitch dark out, they go ride home about an hour. Yeah, going 100 miles an hour on their snowmobiles. Yeah, yeah. But apparently, the place is known for its pizza, which we did not have. Still full from the mountain mountain of nachos, but uh, the pizza did look good. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. It's probably something I would have definitely enjoyed at that moment. There wasn't there one lady next to us who was just like holding on to her pizza for like 20 minutes. Yeah, she like, didn't eat it. Like wasn't even eating like, it. Or... It was in the box on the bar, and did, she, she cheesed it up. Like she put a ton of grated cheese on it, and then didn't didn't eat it. Didn't do anything. I, I don't I don't even, I really can't explain it. That's there's a lot of things that people do in this town that's hard to explain yeah. at that time of the evening. Yeah. But the depot was a fantastic spot. Yeah, definitely a cool little, cool little operating ski bar for sure. And so that was our pretty much the only place we went to that night. And then we went back and got all nice little sleep on, and woke up the next morning and met with our tour guide, who is the head of marketing there, Jane at Holiday Valley. And we had lovely a lady, wonderful, fan- wonderful lady, great lady, great skier, yeah, really too. great skier, really, really ripping skier. Yeah, she uh, met us for breakfast, and then she took us around, and we just, I mean, we started at what, 8.30? Yeah. We were out there? Yeah, we were out there by, uh, we were on the mountain by 8.30, which is when the list starts spinning, and man, did we get after it for, really, until about 1 o'clock. We got, we definitely got our fair share of runs in. I, I, yeah, I, she knew all the great spots, all the, the a couple of secret stashes that yeah. she took us to up by the, the lake, which was a lot of fun. Uh, found us some good tree runs. Uh, we we survived the wall. We did survive the wall. So the wall is like that is the the steepest pitch at the mountain. It's something of uh, well, it's a wall. It's something of a uh, I guess I don't know what's the word. Uh, yeah, that bucket list probably isn't the right thing. Badge of honor. Badge of honor. Right. Yeah. We uh, so we yeah we we ripped it up and then we as we were riding the lift up, we watched a kid tomahawk it. Um, he might still be laying there two days later. Yeah, that was a that was a rough one. So yeah, he obviously tomahawked down on a snowboard. Yeah, it and caught then, an edge about I think on a second turn, and it did not go well. And just the way he uh, kind of like flipped through the air, and the one time just landed on his neck. Like yeah. you could just see him just like crunching down. And you know, we were watching him as we were going up, and we're like, oh, I think he's gonna get up now. And we're like, Ooh, nope, he's not getting up. No. Like he was just down down for the count. But you know what? You don't earn a sticker that says I survived the wall. Not everyone can get that sticker, no, so you know no. it's for the the few, the proud. I like the. I, I mean, I like. I mean, I, just, I like the terrain. You know, the wall aside, but like, there was some really nice gladed terrain. There was uh, the the way the the way the mountain itself is laid out. It's actually fairly large. It's got sixty trails, but it's it's laid out in a similar way to kind of the way Beaver Creek is laid out. It has this. If you've been to Beaver Creek, and it has that birds of prey grouse area where it's kind of like notched into a valley there. And, it's very similar. It's a very similar layout to that, and uh, beautiful lodges too, right? Like uh, we, we hit, we hit a couple of lodges. We had a, a drink at the one bar. I forget what lodge it was up towards the top of the mountain, and then the, there's the tea bar down in the, in the, in the 
base of the mountain we're headed there, but the lodges are really, really nice, well-kept. It's just a really beautiful spot. Yeah, Jane was telling us that a lot of them, I think most of the mountains, are, or most of the uh, lodges have been built in the last 20 years. So, you know, they had some older ones there, and it just was getting run down, and it wasn't keeping up. And they uh, they built, you know, they went to a bunch of different resorts and saw what was working and what they, you know, wanted to get for their clientele. And what's really cool is this, that the mountain is actually privately owned still. There was only a hundred shares that were ever issued of uh, stock for this mountain, so that uh, the certain the certain family, the one family, still owns fifty five shares, fifty five percent of the mountain. And if you wanted to purchase, if you wanted to sell your shares, you had to offer it to the mountain first. They're the first group that could buy it, and then you can sell it to other owners. So it's a very small knit group that runs this place. So it's independently owned by a small group of investors and run, uh, run very well and run very well yeah and really, really well. they're trying new things you know their marketing department is they were doing a, um, a silent disco yesterday yeah that was wild which is the first time I'd ever heard of something like this I think you you and I both rich it was the first time we have heard about this I was confused yeah yeah I guess they get three different DJs and you put on headphones and you can listen to one of the three different DJs in your headphones and dance around so it's actually quiet, but you're hearing the music. And every headphone is a different color for a different DJ. Right. But right? so you can kind of tell who's listening to what <laughs> and dancing around with these headphones. It's, uh, I don't know. I'm curious to hear how that went. That was uh, that was interesting. It's cool. And they were doing it for um, for charity, too. So I think it was for either um, – it was for like an autism group, is that I right? believe. Yeah. yeah. I think it was for uh, like – Autism Speaks or one of the... the and, and what I really liked, what I, th- I found this really cool too, was that a lot of people actually picnic. They, so they allow you to picnic at any lodge. So you can bring you know, bring your own food and set up picnic. And people, people like go out all, all out on this. We saw a woman walking with a crock pot. And when we <laughs> asked her what it was, she said it was like, it was like macaroni and, 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 and red sauce. It was uh, fascinating. Yeah. Um, I, that, that, was, that was an interesting uh, characteristic, I thought. Yeah, they did say that they do kick people out at 6 o'clock. So it's not like you can stay there for dinner and hang out all night. Right. Which is the only downside. But, you know, food prices, even at the the resort, really weren't that terrible. No, I thought they were reasonable for sure. Definitely um, definitely less expensive than most places we go to. Uh, I mean, we, we did not pack our own. We did not picnic. We were not privy to that information leading into it. But not that I think we would ever do that anyway. I don't think I could have fit a crock pot in my carry-on. My yeah, and I was I, it definitely wouldn't have fit in my uh, my backpack that I was skiing around in all day, so that would have been a challenge. What about some sort of like hybrid helmet crock pot? Is that something that we can come up with? It, I think it might be heavy. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I might throw my equilibrium off. Yeah, like I an need, Instapot I slash all, helmet. I need all the help I can get. I don't need any more equilibrium thrown off, throwing being thrown off. Yeah, for sure. So, but we did. So we were the we we did benefit and, and had some delicious appetizers there the at the tea bar so the tea bar is named actually after the original tea bar that was uh set up at the mountain it, it started out i think that was the first lift that they had that was the main lift and if you would walk in over the right over the bar is one of the the tea bars from the original the original one so it's kind of cool it's got a little bit of history to it and we had the pretzel bites, the Bavarian pretzel bites, which were with beer cheese, which were absolutely delicious. Like sometimes you go, you order these, and it's like, really, where'd you get these out of a freaking freezer bag? Yeah. Uh, but these were these were delicious. Like they were you know, nice and 
like a, like a little crispy on the outside and, and soft in the middle, and the beer cheese was really good. And they were just baked, right? It wasn't like they were fried. Right, they were baked. Yeah, but they almost had that fried feel to it, right? Like they're buttery finish or yeah, something. Yeah, they were they were delicious. And then we also got the San Francisco tots, which are basically the equivalent of truffle tater tots, which I, I don't really know if you get better than that. I, I don't know. And the crazy thing about those tots is that you know sometimes when you get like low grade tater tots, it's almost like that hard chunky potato in there. This was like almost like a chip inside. It, yeah, it was delicious. Like melt in your mouth, tater fried, tots. Fried, tossed in Parmesan and truffle. I, I, like, just absolutely delicious. Perfect, perfect kind of opera ski food to go with the uh, couple beers we were drinking, local beers. I don't really know why it was called San Francisco, but... Yeah, I missed that part too. I don't know, but it worked. Yeah. It, they were really good. And then you said, speaking of beers that we had, they had some, some really good beers on draft there, of course, some local beers. Yeah, what uh, what do we have? Old Man Winter from Southern Tier, really good. The uh, the blueberry. Oh, the blueberry from Ellicottville Brewing. Which normally I would not order a blueberry beer, but I have to give Ellicottville Brewing credit. They do an incredible job with their fruit beers. I don't usually like fruit in my beer, but the the blueberry was very subtle, and and they garnish it with blueberries, fresh blueberries. Yeah. That was really, really tasty. Surprisingly good. Yeah, because like you said, those some of those fruit beers can get really just syrupy like, yeah. tasting. But this was just almost like natural blueberry flavor. So it was, it was good. Delicious. Was good. Yeah. We even had they even have a blackberry kolsch that they that they do, which I thought was really good. Uh, again, you get a little bit of blackberry, but but the kolsch is you know it's a you know, it's a good uh, you know, crushable beer for for opera skate. It's actually possible if you are renting a Nissan Rogue from Buffalo in the next few days, you may find a Blackberry Kolsch underneath the front seat. <laughs> There's a chance. Or a pumpkin. There, yes, there may be a few of those left in the car. <laughs> so we had our apres ski there at the mountain, and then we started our next whirlwind tasting journey. And boy, did we taste. Yes. Everything. It's kind of funny how we almost go to vineyards to sober up on our little journeys. Yeah, what he's referencing is the uh, Ellicottville, Ellicottville Winery. Not Vineyard, that's right. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, so it's downtown Ellicottville, which downtown Ellicottville is a village, and it's, it's mainly two roads. It's like a T, and within that T, you have all these like really unique local shops and restaurants and bars, and so we and we yeah we got to go to look at a, at a few of them. Uh, I quite honestly, I wish we had another night. Uh, yeah, we could have used one more night. Yeah, we could if we had gotten in a little earlier Friday night, but what are you going to do? Next time, we'll just have to come back. And we've been talking about that the last couple of days. We are definitely going to come back. For sure, yeah. But yeah, so the winery, I thought the winery was great. Um, you have decent crowd, people, you know, I don't know if people were coming in off the mountain or just street traffic or whatever, but but a decent decent little crowd kind of fluctuates and now people come in for a glass of wine they do they do small bites like charcuterie and chocolate pairings and, police reported ahead oh and there's police reported ahead yeah so uh but we got you know we got a good look at at tasted a lot of their wines they actually have that ski themed wine called yard sale which was really good yeah surprise like again very it was uh on the sweeter side made with concord grapes and but yeah, it was a good one. I think I had two glasses of it. It was really freaking good. Yeah, I did too. And yeah, like you said, the Concord grapes, that's sort of the, the big grape. And that's, you know, Welsh's grape juice, right? That's the kind of grapes they use. Right. Yeah. So they come off as a little bit sweeter. But what was cool about that yard sale wine is that 
that initial taste was the, the sweetness and you're like, oh, this is going to be gross and sweet, but it just dried out yeah, with a finish. Out for sure. It Absolutely. was really, really good. And uh, they said that was the other grape they mixed, the, right? The Marquette. The Marquette was a good one. That was more of like uh, your Sunday, your Sunday gravy kind of, kind of wine. But I guess people. that, but the yard sale had that. Oh, did it? That was like one of the grapes that was in it. Oh, right. As well as the Concord. So the Concord hit it early, and then the other Marquette grape yeah. or whatever the one they were using for that kind of finished it off. Yeah, and I mean, I like the atmosphere there too. You know, it was like a uh, nice little tasting room downstairs. But what's really cool is this. Uh, they have this upstairs area, this porch, which I have to imagine is a ton of fun when the weather's warm, just hanging out upside, upstairs on the porch, uh, overlooking the, you know, one of the main streets of, of the village and just chilling out up there drinking wine. It has to be, it has to be phenomenal. And I'm still trying to wrap my head around what she was saying. Miles. You could actually like... Stay to the left to NID East Buffalo. See, we're on the way to Buffalo. You could actually rent that area out up top and like sleep over there, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the, I, I, it is available. Is it available for rent? I think that's what she was saying. Uh, there's a full kitchen up there, bathroom, washer, dryer, and a porch. What more do you need? I mean, it, pretty much everything is right there. Yeah. And they had some pretty fun stuff there in the shop. So they, they got some funny you know names for their beers, you know, like the yard sale. They had one that was called Spice Spice Baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they had the T-shirt for that. Which had, which had vanilla ice on it. Which did have vanilla ice on it. Or a character that looks in the style of Vanilla Ice because he's probably copyrighted his stunning hair from 1991. Um, great hair. Great hair. They also had a great dog that was running around. Maggie, the mascot. Maggie, Maggie the uh, the owner's mascot. She was a... Golden Doodle. Very well behaved. Just chilling out. A black out. Golden Doodle. Black Golden Doodle, yeah. It's, uh, Wait, shouldn't that be like a chocolate doodle? I don't know, but I I was curious myself. Apparently, I guess the father was all, was all uh, black and... She got old. She got those jeans. Oh, there you go. So we were there, and um, another shout out to our taster, our our host for the tasting, Mary Kay, who did a fantastic job. Crushed it. And her son is actually a pro snowboarder out in Mammoth right now, Ron. So, Ron, if hopefully you're listening too, shout out to you, and uh, hopefully we can hey, talk best, to you. Best luck, man. Yeah, congratulations. He just got uh, became pro last year. Yeah, which is so cool. So, and then we didn't meet the owner Sam until much later which we, we can get to that part of the story later but yeah he was um, he actually came out and met us for a drink and he's an awesome dude too and um, sadly he had to go back and actually you know work at the winery a little bit but otherwise uh, we would have we would have enjoyed hanging out with him a little bit longer now none of this would be possible without the one and only Barb Pump Barb Pump Barb Pump we finally got to meet her and I don't know if we talked about it on our last car chronicle about what we thought Barb Pump would look like. She definitely was not a golden girl like we originally thought she no. would be. She no. was super cool, super sweet, and gave us some fantastic tips. So we started there hanging out with her at the vineyard or at the winery, and then she gave us the probably one of the best tips of the weekend to go to Villaggio across the street. Yeah, right across the street. Italian, Italian uh, I guess, would you call it a bistro? Probably a bistro-ish. Yeah, like a yeah, ski town bistro. Yeah, and but and you have that atmosphere when you walk in. It's like it's not what you would think an Italian restaurant would look like per se. It's like you know dark old wood, um, very rustic. You know, more of a very ski town ski town vibe. And they even have a huge uh, a huge screen up and you know in the back of the bar, uh, back of the restaurant area playing ski movies the whole time. Yeah. So it definitely has that opera ski ski feel to it and. The owner Nick is a character and a half, and my goodness, is he funny! Oh man, 
great dude, hysterical, really hooked us up too. Um, yeah, I mean, he treated, he treated us like family when we yeah. walked in there. Right from the second we walked in, got us a beer, started sending food our way. Man, the, the food was delicious. He, he did these, uh, like their take on, on arancine with these little rice balls, but my goodness, they were it, risotto, like really creamy risotto with sausage and just delicious. And the, the meatball was the family recipe and it was one of the best meatballs I've ever eaten in my life. Yeah, it was excellent. A monster size. It looked like a softball-sized meatball. Yeah. And then, of course, the uh, spicy, spicy steak beef, sandwich. Yeah, spicy Going beef sandwich. It was definitely spicy, and For it was sure. definitely delicious. Yeah, no, it was a good one. Uh, cheese, local local spice, pe- uh, local hot peppers, I think uh, somebody said, maybe, and, and the beef. But it was, that was good stuff, man. And we could have... Oh my God! The lobster mac and cheese. I forgot about the lobster that. Lobster mac. Forget about that. Well, because we only could have two bites of it because we had to run. That's true. We did have to run. We, we had were very busy. <laughs> I looked at my watch. It was five twenty-six, and we had to be at the brewery for a tour at five thirty. So we quick jumped out of the seat, said goodbye to Nick, but only for a little while because we did go back and sprinted down, you know, the whole block and a half to <laughs> to Ellicottville Brewing. That was super convenient and everything was kind of right there and it made it easy to bounce to all these different places in a short period of time. Hey, our livers are doing God's work. So we were very busy yesterday and this may all sound like fun and games, but it is very hard work to do all this skiing and drinking and eating. Somebody has to do it. Somebody has to let the world know. So then we got to the Ellicott Brewing Company and this place, so it was 5.30 you said when we were meeting up. This place was jammed. Jam-packed. At five thirty, jam pack. Didn't he say that our, our tour guy, Matt, our tour guy Matt, who uh, is I guess one of the main main uh, guys there, and he was awesome, super knowledgeable, great dude. And he was saying people will come like when it's when it's really busy, they'll be up to a three hour wait. And people will actually wait for it, and they'll put their name in. Right, they'll put their name in, go have a bunch of drinks someplace else, and then come back. Continue straight for yeah. seven minutes. They have the um. They do that. So they, yeah, they do the um, where you put your phone number in, so they'll text you when your table's ready. Which is, if you're a restaurant and you're not doing that, get with the times. I mean, really, those stupid buzzers that work for like you know four feet away from the station, stop it. Yeah. Just use the cell phone system. Um, yeah, but the cool thing is, I mean, there was a, a bunch of places on the same block where if you did want to bounce out and get something else, or you could hang out at the bar and just get. I mean, they had how many different bars there that you could access? Three, well, there four. Was one, there was one right when you walk in, which is the original part of the brewery. Then they did do a build out and added. Uh, there's, there's one, uh, a second one on the main floor. Then there is an outdoor bar where they have a beer garden apparently in the summer, but the outdoor bar is fenced. It, uh, excuse me, um, a tented in right now with heaters. It's actually kind of cool out there. Uh, so that's three. And then there was a like a smaller bar upstairs, but I think that's really only for private tastings, which we were the beneficiary of. Yes. Yes, we were, and that was great. Uh, so there was a bunch of different yeah bars there, which was nice, and we were we were pretty lucky. So we went on the tour, and that kind of gave us the the lowdown, was showing us the Not equipment. A beer, of course. Multiple beers, yes. We had to. You can't take a tour of a brewery without a beer. Yes. Uh, that would be. Uh, you know. You'd probably end up in hell if you did something like that. Uh, pretty much, yeah. yeah. And what were the ones? Do you remember the ones that we I tried? I personally had the the. Uh, I think it's called Black Magic. It's uh, it's their OG stout on nitro, and it's killer. It's one of their original recipes, and it was a really, really good, creamy, traditional stout. 
chocolate notes, uh, just a delicious, delicious beer. Really only about five, maybe five and a half percent, if I remember correctly, 5.6-ish. Yeah, that was that was what we started out with. That was really tasty. And then we started going into a few other ones they had up there. Um, I was a big fan of that pineapple IPA. Yeah, I liked it. It was good. It, I think it would be a nice, like, summer beer. Mm-hmm. You know, that's an experimental one. It has not been canned yet. But it was. I think it's good. You know, with like a lot of uh, juicy pineapple notes, but again, not overbearing. They do their fruit beer really, really well. Yeah, they don't. I don't know if they're just not adding as much extra sugar because, like, like we said before, some of these ones get that fake syrupy taste to it, which is really gross. But if it's subtle, I mean, it really plays off the hops nicely and makes a, a nice balanced, tasty IPA. So we had that, and then we had the Pilsner after, which was nice. Oh yeah, the Pilsner was good. Yeah, that was a good Pilsner. A little sweeter, more traditionally German. A uh, little, like, sweet bread notes up front. But uh, just, again, a good, easy drinker. You know, what, what uh, probably what the brewer's drinking, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. In 900 feet, <laughs> exit, then turn left. So we're drinking those beers. We're doing exit our sampling. Right. Uh, we're turn left. We're doing the tour, and what was nice then is that we did a flight after that. Now, I was really surprised. They've been in business now for 25 years. They're, they're just celebrating their 25th anniversary. They're open in 95. Um, but what did they have on draft? Like, like 25 beers? 20-something taps. Yeah, they had 20-something taps last, uh, turn last left. night. Then turn left yeah, so it was cool. So we were able to do our own little private flights here, which was nice. So we picked out some, some fun and interesting beers. You know, some were good. Some were... Not as good. Yeah, I obviously. was. Um, I found one really super intriguing. Turn left on South Ogden Street. It was called um, Hot Chocolate, and it was a it was a, a chocolate stout, but had um, ghost peppers in it. So right up front, you get you know like the sweetness of the chocolate stout, and then in the back end, you get this really really big spice character from the ghost peppers. And they said it's either hit or miss. Like people either love it or, or hate it. And but I mean, I like spicy beers and I thought that was a really, really damn good beer. Yeah. I was trying to, uh, I had the blood orange, which I liked. That one was really good. Uh, nice and nice and light and, and kind of easy to drink. Left on Griswold Street. You know, it's always easy to kind of go to the wheelhouse IPAs, but I'm, I'm always trying to like experiment and try some different things too. Which they didn't really have on tap, and I think that was by design. Yeah. They had one West Coast IPA on, um, and that was by design. Which I, I like to see. Like I like I like people trying to branch out and do something other than a New England IPA. And the things they are doing, again, yeah, some of them are hit, some are missed, but they're learning and they're everything they're doing is at least kind of moving in in different positive directions, which is good. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that was another thing that was cool about you know sitting there is that we were sitting right at the bar, and I love watching and judging other people's drink choices. <laughs> <laughs> so, like we said, there's like a three-hour wait, so a lot of people were coming there, grabbing a couple drinks, and then you know getting ready for their table whenever they get it. And I'm sitting there, and there's this one girl who goes and orders a Bud Light. Oh, that's right, I remember that. Why are you coming to a brewery and ordering a Bud Light? Stay to the left. I mean, yeah, to each their a, own. That's a that's a poor choice. Doesn't that just seem? I, I would I feel almost insulted for the the brewers. I'm actually amazed they even had it there. Yeah, I'm surprised. I was surprised at that too, actually. And then we had uh, we had some good food. Um, I got you, dude. Relax. 
but yeah, no, uh, fried galamad, it was in it, but it was more like a, uh, like an Asian sweet sauce to it, uh, you know, but super delicious. And then they don't like do a general. So in yeah, a way. yeah, they, and they don't, and they don't do Buffalo wings. What they, what they did was Buffalo chicken thighs 3.9 miles with, with, uh, Exit blue cheese dressing. 51E, New York and it was, East Airport. I mean, but again, the food, I, we didn't have a bad, we didn't have a bad dish the entire weekend. And this was just more, you know, more of the same, just really, really tasty food, um, that you can get, you know, coming off the slopes and, and it's exactly really what you want to have is that that you know, delicious food yeah and again fantastic job there so after that we went back to the Villaggio didn't we we did go back yeah we had we uh we felt bad that we left Nick hanging so we did go back and we went back and saw him and it was actually a stroke of luck because we went back saw Nick and Peter from the the owner of Ellicott Bill Brewing was there and as was um, his buddy Jeff, his buddy Jeff, who was a, he was a funny guy too. And then we got Sam, the owner of Ellicottville Winery, to come across the street and hang out with us. So it was, it was, uh, it was, it was good to meet you know the local business owners. But these guys were awesome, like great dudes. You know, if I didn't live six and a half hours away, yeah. I'd probably be friends with with all these guys because they're just they just seem really really nice people. Like Brian had mentioned earlier, not pretentious. You know, just all in on the town, right? It wasn't about themselves. Like each one of these guys has a, a successful restaurant, winery, brewery in their own right and, and can be total asses about it, but they're not because they know that the success of their restaurant is 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 built in the success of the town itself. So it's all about the whole, right? It's not just the it's not just the parts. Yeah, it was really cool because you know all these guys too. They're saying how you know they're they're raising their families there. They they grew up here, so they really have a lot invested in the town being successful and you know other local businesses being successful. And you really got that vibe from them. And it was just fun chatting with them and just kind of getting their their take. And you know the first thing that everyone said to us when they you know they asked us, oh, so where are you from? I'm like, oh, we're from New Jersey. Why are you here? How the hell did you get here? <laughs> Yeah. Well, we got a lot of how the hell did you get here kind of thing. Yeah, but they, they wouldn't curse that way. They wouldn't say hell. They didn't? No, everybody was very, like, super overly polite. Oh. That's another crazy thing because we are so far west in New York, you're kind of getting a little bit of Midwesterly vibes from here because, you know, again, it's only two hours from uh, Pittsburgh, hour and a half from Cleveland, yeah. hour and change from Buffalo. So it's a, it's a very different kind of just the just go to a lift line here on a Saturday versus go to a lift line at Mount Snow or Killington on a Saturday and you get a, a very different experience. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we, that we, and that was the other thing too and I, we, we didn't really bring that up. We didn't really stand in a ton of lift lines which is you know, uncharacteristic uh, for a lot of places and I guess we would consider this an East, an East Coast resort but we really didn't stand in a ton of lift lines for for as crowded as, as Holiday Valley was, and it goes back, you know, like, I think it goes back to the way the layout was. Um, but sorry, I, I got sidetracked there. But back at back at Bellagio, they had live music, which was part of the reason why we wanted to go back. We wanted to check this guy out. He was good. I, I always judge my live music on how well you sound compared to the original artist that you're covering. And this guy had an, an, an innate ability to sound like almost every artist that he covered that night. Yeah, and he was doing all kinds of stuff, you know, like Tom Tom Petty and. Uh, that's all I remember him saying. Sing at least two Tom Petty songs. Yeah, there was another one that really uh, threw me for a loop too, and I, I, I can't remember who it was. Like a Three Dog Night song or something like that, or I don't know. Oh, was it uh, Credence? Was it Credence? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't know. Too many beers. There was a lot of beers, and it's funny. We're hanging out with the, so the, 
this group of us are hanging out, and then there's this guy sitting at the bar who's the guy who's playing the music, his quote-unquote manager, his buddy. We're like, yeah, your, your buddy's like really good. He's like, eh, he's all right. Yeah. yeah, he was good, though. And that guy just kept playing the whole night. Like, he didn't take a break. No. Yeah, didn't take a break. Yeah, so that place, Bellagio, I mean, that place was so... Such a, such a fantastic experience there. The people, the food, the drinks, the bartenders, everybody was fantastic. Yeah, I could have I could have stayed there all night. That was uh, we had a lot of fun there, just hanging out with those guys, and I, they did just doing a great job, like doing it, doing a really good job providing an experience along with delicious food, and that's that's really what you're, what that's really what you're looking for, and I think that's something that escapes a lot of a lot of restaurant owners, restaurant tours that you know, especially in ski towns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. In one point one miles. Then, to the left here. So I have to okay. I have to find a, a gas station here. Ah. So I think maybe I'm gonna get off of this exit. Hope for the best. Hope for the best. Alright. We'll be back in a few minutes then. Yeah. Harness our chief. I hope you guys enjoyed that. If you have any questions, comments, hit us up, ski bump podcast at gmail.com. We have all the links on our site, skibumpodcast.com. And if you want to hit up Rich, all about apreski.com under the ropes new green technology from umass amherst generates electricity out of thin air scientists at university of massachusetts amherst have developed a device that uses a natural protein to create electricity from moisture in the air a new technology they say could have significant implications for the future of renewable energy, climate change, and the future of medicine. Huh. So this is from the laboratories of electrical engineer Jun Yao and microbiologist Derek Lovely. They created a device called the AirGen, which is an air-powered generator with electrically conductive protein nanowires that huh. produce a microbe geobacter. I don't know what that means. A microbe geo... Wow. But what it does is it connects electrodes to the protein nanowires in a way that electrical current is generated from the water vapor naturally present in the atmosphere. Hmm. Like, so that's... They're saying they're literally making electricity out of thin air. Out of thin air, yeah. Yeah. The air is what? Is it like 60% nitrogen and then like 20% oxygen and the rest hydrogen? Or is there very little hydrogen? I don't even know. We are morons. What, That's what for sure. You, do you know what you breathe? No. You're like, I just breathe. I'm in Jersey. I don't know what I'm breathing over here. Get the fuck out of here. This is. Yeah. So if you're mixing oxygen and hydrogen, that's the water in the air. So if you're in a very humid area, I guess you have a higher concentration of that. Think how much energy in the summertime you could pull out of the air in the East Coast. Yeah, let's go down south. It's the East Coast in general. Which is pretty cool. So imagine you have this system and you have a Tesla. You could pretty mm. much drive forever <laughs> and not have to stop. Right between this and some solar panels, like you don't need any any. Just cut all your wires. You don't need any wires to the outside, right? But isn't that kind of what this would eventually lead to? Hopefully, you know, it's just a matter of doing it to scale, right? So right now they're saying that it can actually power small electronics. So 
if you could power small electronics, at least it'd maybe be able to charge a bunch of stuff, you know, or power some, I don't, depends how many things you're using at one time. That's the other thing. There's no need to have everything running at once. So I don't know. They're saying fitness monitors, smartwatches, uh, wearables, like that would be a big deal for it. Um, cell phones for periodic charging. So instead of having to plug it in, it would just charge itself after a while. I mean, that that's kind of cool. Think about it. It's really cool. It's almost like those watches, you know, like, uh, is it citizen that has like that echo drive? So it uses yeah. like your, uh, the pulses of your, your body to power well, the watch. I have a, um, a Seiko and Seiko has, you just have, to, it has to see the light like once every like 20 days and it's, it powers up for like the next 20 days or something like that. Citizen does the eco drive. Yeah. And I think they all kind of do the, have a, you know, the Seiko does does something similar, but you never have to do a battery. As long as it has like regular room lighting, it thing, it, it charges up again. So I'm always like, why haven't they done this shit in like a car? Like it could do something in a car, maybe not everything, but like, you know, once when you start getting into the uh, conspiracy theories and the, the movies like Who Killed the Electric Car. Exactly. Yeah, it's like the oil companies and the government kind of in cahoots together yeah. to kind of squash innovation. But this is so cool. And I don't think it's a coincidence that University of Massachusetts, Amherst, Massachusetts, legalizing marijuana a couple years ago, perhaps... These guys were just getting baked and all of a sudden came up with this brilliant idea. It could be. I'm not, be. I, I'm not discounting that possibility. <laughs> like, what if they're like, we just take the air, man, and the air could just power everything. Just take it out. That's it, man. They figured it out. It's a beautiful thing. I, I want to keep tabs on this story because I want to see where this goes. And I want to, I really do hope that this isn't one of those things where, Oh yeah. All of a sudden, unfortunately, uh, you know, professor Yao had a heart attack at, you know, 36 years old. Yeah. Unfortunately I hear stories like this and then you never, I mean, even the solar, everybody hears Tesla solar and then don't hear anything about it now. When was the last you heard about that? Dude, last week they're like really pushing that out. Now I guess they're doing like a version two, and they're doing all this new training to get people like oh really to scale up for the amount of people who can install it. Yeah, nice. They just like that was I think last week or two weeks ago. They're all really right. starting to push that now. So well, yeah, but before that it was almost, it was died down a little bit right? for a while. But you know, yeah. Elon also is cranking out you know new cars as fast as he can. Yeah. And the goddamn stock's almost $900 a share now. I know. It's crazy. All hail Elon. (laughs) This is the last story that we got, the coup de grace. Um, (laughs) So there was a 36-year-old woman arrested for calling 911 after her parents shut off her cell phone. Uh, I have a question already. How can she make a call if her cell phone had been shut off? Ah, they talk about that. So... Ohio police said she repeatedly called emergency dispatchers 911 and became belligerent, saying that she was complaining that her parents had cut her cell phone service off. She called the emergency dispatch, demanding they come to her house, and they didn't know what phone that she used to make the calls, but dispatchers told her only to call 911 if there's a problem. So she repeatedly called back, 
two hours later, insisting she felt the lack of a working phone was a legitimate police matter. <laughs> so they said she was belligerent. So they're like, all right, we got to go. She's, she's really, now she's crossing the line. So they decided to arrest her on charges of disrupting public services, a fourth degree felony. And this wasn't appeared- Florida? No, no, this is in Ohio. Uh, Ohio. Oh, Northern Florida. Yeah. Uh, so she appeared in court on Friday and was released after posting a two hundred uh, a $2,500 bond. The smoking gun noted that she is a licensed realtor and they said they, they did not say why her parents shut her cell phone service off in the first place. There's a lot to unpack here. I'm like, okay, so she's a realtor and her parents are paying the phone. Well, number shit. one, yeah, she's 36 on her parents' plan. She has a job. She must be a shitty realtor if she can't even afford her goddamn phone. Right. And uh and uh just a, a drain on the parents. So the parents were probably saying, All right, time for you to stand on your own. She started that's not a police matter that you can't afford a cell phone. That's just a matter of like go get a cell another cell phone or you just go without. Can't afford it. If you click on that link within your article. That goes to the smoking gun site. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. (laughs) So her father is a gastroenterologist and her mom is a pediatric dentist. Mm -hmm. So obviously they got some pretty, uh, some pretty nice coinage. And what's her name? Catarpal? Catarpal. Catapult. Catapult. Saloni. Catapult. I think she's Indian. Into space. Yeah. And they have pictures of her taking selfies of herself and all this other crap. I love the caption, too. It's like just sarcastic dickhead caption. (laughs) Like, this is her in happier times. (laughs) Uh, It's funny. So wait, which phone did she call from? I don't think. Did we get the information on that? Must have been the no. house phone because it says had to be they the were dispatched phone. to her family's spacious Canton residence. Huh. So she's basically just a spoiled kid that's been having mommy and daddy to pay for everything. She's according 36. to putting these two articles together. Yeah, she's thirty six, and who the fuck is going to date her? She looks like a goddamn nightmare. Yup, look at that mugshot. the The only thing missing that from that mugshot is her holding a damn knife. Hmm. It's pretty bad. Yeah. She definitely looks like just. Trouble. And then they show her taking the selfie of herself and it's like, she's trying to do the pouty, the pouty face. Yeah. You look uh, at her mug shat, It is the opposite of that Aguilar Aguilar girl from last year who got busted oh yeah. for the, the Hennessy at the Taco Bell drive-thru. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> this girl has like, she's got the dark makeup around the eyes. She looks like a freaking, like a killer. Yeah, she looks almost like that uh, Momo, like Indian <laughs> she's a, Momo. She's a human Indian Momo. Yeah. <laughs> God damn. She has a look of disappointment. I wonder who bailed her out. I wonder if her parents bailed her out or she just like, okay, I'll bail myself out now. So couldn't she have bought a whole new cell phone for the money she used to buy the bond? You would think, but maybe that's too easy. Yeah. I don't know what they do in Ohio. They mix the crack a little stronger. The meth is a little bit more potent. Things move a little more fat, a little bit more uh, speedy up in Ohio region. For sure. <laughs> Man, Smoking Gun has some good stories. We got to make sure we uh, hit this place up. 
Oh yeah. Next time. <laughs> well, it was kind of our, uh, we got, we got to find something quick when a nice, fun, lighthearted story <laughs> in the old podcast. So really the moral of the story is <laughs> pay your cell phone bill and get on your own goddamn plan. Like an adult. I'm sorry. At what age do you, do you, does it, do you have to be to like, say it's time for you to have your own stuff? Like I think 26? 35, I think 35. <laughs> <laughs> she's 36 yeah she's 35 to cut off just 30 35 oh, just that look on her face like it's, it's creeping me out looking at it like she just looks like just disgusted with everything yeah oh it's crazy <laughs> yeah oh this right. smoking gun is a it's a piece of work this thing I know they've been around forever it was like the fourth website ever <laughs> police right? find Maserati filled with whippets Eh. <laughs> you know, hundreds of spent canisters in a luxury car. Jian Zhang was arrested late Monday night. <laughs> Florida? <laughs> no. Iowa. Iowa, see? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Good stuff on this website. So, thank you, everyone, so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. Check us out, skibonepodcast.com. We got the shop there. We got our email. If you want to sign up for our email, that would be awesome too. We'd appreciate that. There's a link there on the homepage and in the footer of the site. We are on all the socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. If you want stickers, send us an email, skibonepodcast at gmail.com or just DM us on Instagram. We are on your favorite podcasting apps. Apple iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Look for us there. We're also on iHeartRadio, YouTube, Pinterest. We're just all over the place. But thank you all so much for listening. We do appreciate it. And we will talk to you all next week. Stay high, stay polluting. See you. <laughs>